But here, anyway, we're going to be talking tonight about becoming a lifeguard. And, of course, this is the middle of, uh, we're starting into, into winter. Believe it or not, we are getting close to that time. And we don't always think about pools and, and oceans and places where lifeguards are. But if you uh, think back into the summer, into the warmer months, better days, <clears throat> think on back over into to a, uh, one of the pools that you have visited, whether it be a, a, you know, a city pool or a township pool or something like that. But in order to make that pool safe, what is the best thing you could do to make that pool safe? Yeah, I was expecting someone to say put a lifeguard on it, but actually the best way is close it. <laughs> I mean, if you want a perfectly safe pool, close the thing. Right? Nothing will happen. So yeah, Ray's got, his, got the idea there. Just close it up. No one goes in. No one has any fun. But there's really no sense in having a pool if you're going to close it all the time, is it? So the next best thing to do is get a lifeguard. Put somebody up in there who knows what they're doing, how to swim, how to save people. CPR, you know, all the, all the stuff that you have to do in case you've got to pull somebody out of the water for doing something stupid. You want a lifeguard in there. Well, we want to talk about being a lifeguard here in our, in our own lives. And I want to read here Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. This is a real familiar passage to everybody. I think most people probably know this, even if you're not thinking about it when we first said Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now how many of you are looking around saying, Boy, that isn't today. The whole earth is full of His glory. Mm. We're not thinking so much about that, are we? But that's what they cried out. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the servants flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Now, do you think that God brought him up here into the throne room to tell him that he had a bad mouth? Do <laughs> you think that was God's purpose? Let's bring, bring him on up here and let's, uh, let's just see if... You know, he, he just, he's got a terrible mouth in him. Let's just fix him up. Do you think that was the purpose of it? Do you think had God, God had anything in mind about, you know what, we need to clean up that boy's mouth there. I don't think God calls people up because they have a foul mouth or, or you know, in, and, they, and in his case, he probably doesn't have a foul mouth. He prob probably just sees himself as, dear Lord, it's not as good as it should be. <laughs> I mean, it's not that the bad stuff has been coming out, but he's probably thinking of some times when he said some critical words or same thing of some times where uh, not so much praise had come out and complaints had come out or other stuff like that. He's probably getting mindful of all those kind of things because he's in the presence of the Lord. And I don't think this is what God called him up here for at all. I think he just turned over to one of the servants and said, will you shut that boy up? Just go over there and take care of that problem. Well, yeah, just shut him up. We want to do something and we can't do it as long as he keeps focusing on this problem. So get him taken care of. 
And so the seraphim comes over with the coal and says, all right, let's just get it out of the way here. You're, now you're clean. I mean, could he be in heaven if he had a problem? I think he'd be dead. That just wouldn't be, be the case. So anyway, we took care of that problem. That's, that's all done. But I'll tell you what, in the presence of God, I can become very sin conscious. Isn't that the truth? I mean, when God comes around, don't we become sin conscious? But there's, a, there's some things in the Word of God. And I had this uh, down in my uh, notes. I actually added this here, here later on. But over in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 20, it says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. What does the condemning? Is there a single place in the Word of God where it says that the Holy Spirit convicts the believer of sin? You know what the Holy Spirit may, may bring the, un, the unsaved. But you know who convicts the believer of sin? Our hearts. Our hearts. And that's what does it. We've got to stop blaming God for all the condemnation that comes upon us. Because generally, folks, it's our heart. Isaiah is up here in the presence of God and God wants to deal with him on some things and the rest of the chapter he began to, to do what he, he set out to do. But he got so sin conscious in the presence of God that God had to deal with that sin consciousness in order to be able to get him anywhere that he wanted to get him. I'll tell you what, folks, our sin consciousness is holding us back from some stuff. Back in the time when Jesus was here on the earth and someone had uh, said to him, said, said, you know, if you'll come to my house, and he stated what would be done. So the Lord said, all right, I'll come. And so he's on his way over. And as he gets closer, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy for you to come under my house. Just speak the word. And my servant will be healed. For I have those under me. And I say that this one go and they go and this one come and they come. And Jesus said, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. And yet here's what's for this Gentile. He says, all right, you go and you tell, tell them it's done. And it was done. But up until then, Jesus had no problem going into his house, did he? Jesus had no problem going into the, um, uh, uh, the short guy, Zacchaeus. No trouble getting in his house either. He had no trouble sitting amongst publicans and sinners and harlots. And the Pharisees had trouble with him doing it. But he didn't have any trouble with it. And then it just seemed like sinful people around him got condemned and fixed it. But Jesus didn't say a word. They took care of it all themselves. God deals with the sin issue in our life, folks, without the need for condemnation. Condemnation a lot of times is holding us back. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Down to verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. You shall surely die. Now, one tree in the midst of the garden brought life. And one tree in the midst of the garden brought death. 
And when the devil came to tempt them, he said, did God really say? And then he began to challenge it. You shall not surely die. Touch it. See, you didn't die. Hmm. Oh, no, just take a little bite. Took a little bite. You didn't die yet, did you? See, God just wanted to keep this from you. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But he spoke of a different death than what they had in mind. The purpose of a lifeguard in a pool is to prevent death from coming as a result of swimming in the pool. They cannot prevent death. But they can try and prevent death as it would occur from things in the pool. I mean, you can have somebody walking around the pool and just flop over dead. And, be, and lifeguard won't be able to help that one, will it? They have all kinds of other things that can come into play there. The purpose of the lifeguard is not to prevent death, it is to prevent death coming as a result of activities in the pool. That's all they're really trained for. That's all they're out there to, to do. If somebody has a different kind of problem, some of their training will overflow and help them in that. But that's really their goal is to keep people from dying in the pool. That's it. Well, we have before us, just like Adam and Eve had before them. They had a tree of life. They had a tree of death. In For, for us, in our life, all around us, is the choice. Life or death. We always have that choice. There is life. There are things that bring life and there are things that bring death. Just as for Adam and Eve, there was a tree that brought life and there was a tree that brought death. There was a whole lot of other trees that didn't do anything other than produce fruit. But there was one particular tree that brought life. There was one particular tree that brought death. Up till this point, they had not partaken of the tree that brought life. But they did partake of the tree that brought death. As a Christian, are we partaking of the things that bring life or the things that bring death? Now, you've got a lifeguard who sits up there in the, in the you know, whether it's at a pool or whether it be at the, um, at the ocean and, and such things. You know, they, they're always, they're, they're cautious. I think they're too cautious. It's my own feeling of the thing because, you know, they just are always whistling at you to stop doing something. You know, it's just a, it's, that's dangerous. Somebody might die. No one, no one's going to die. We're over here carrying on in the deep end or something like that. We're not going to die. It may look like we're killing each other, but really. <laughs> and we get down into the ocean. I mean, they're just so cautious down there. Sometimes it just takes all the fun. I like it when lifeguards blow the whistle and go home. Oh, I do like that so much. I mean, there, you have an undertow. Ever been down, down the shore when there's an undertow? I've been down there when there's a strong undertow. I have not been taken out to sea by an undertow and I have yet to become fearful of an undertow. I'm just not afraid of them. Let it go. I mean, it just doesn't bother me at all. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have some fun. But don't talk about undertows. I remember one time we were going down the shore and the mayor was on the beach. And for some reason he was at the spot where we came on, the, the mayor of Ocean City. And he's out there handing out pamphlets about undertow because it was real strong that day. And telling them, now the undertow is real strong. Y'all be careful. Be careful. <laughs> oh, man, you kidding me? And, of course, my son's with me. <clears throat> and so we went out and we had fun. We had just as much fun as we were, just, we were supposed to have. We just went out there and we just... It, it's People are afraid of it. And I think you, you lose out a lot, of, a lot of stuff in life just because you're afraid of stuff. And I, I know there's people who die all the time from undertoes. I haven't died yet, so... <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just not afraid of it. 
But anyway. You know, they get that undertow's going, they're always blowing the whistle. Quit doing that. Don't go out so far. Do this over here. Go, don't go over that spot over there. Just always blowing the whistle and stopping you from doing anything. Well, you know, you need to obey. And so, you know, you, you line up and if they want you to come in while well, we come in. If you want you to move between these barriers, we move between those barriers. You do the thing you're supposed to do because you have to obey. But it's just not as much fun. Now, they're looking at it from a different perspective of things and... And so you have to try and, you know, you yield into that and, and such things. And so you obey while you're, while you're there. But God isn't, he doesn't, He's not a lifeguard for the same reason. He's, he's not overly cautious. He's rightly cautious. He knows exactly what causes death and exactly what brings life. And when He blows the whistle, folks, it isn't a, you know, it ought to be a good idea. When he blows that whistle, it's not that, well, you know, something might happen if you get out over in that spot. It's, you, if God blows the whistle, there's a problem. If God says, don't do that, don't do it. If God says this will bring death, it'll bring death. If God says this will bring life, it'll bring life. That's all there is to it. Because God's view on things is just a whole lot different. And he's not, well, that's, you know, that, might, that might not be good for you. No, he doesn't get into that area. It's either going to hurt you or it's going to help you. Otherwise, you can do what you want. Because there are some of those things that aren't going to hurt you or help you. And he don't, you know, whether you buy Oreos or chocolate chip cookies, he really don't care. But there are some things that we do need to do. So we need to choose obedience because choosing obedience promotes the life of God in me. This promotes life in me. By promoting life, I create an abundance of it on the inside of me. I can create an abundance. How many of y'all know abundance is good? How many of you have a savings account? Don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you have a savings account with abundance? <laughs> no, I mean just right now. It's there. It's abundant. It's, it's, it's there now. It's not there someday, but it's there now. If you needed to draw on it, you could draw on There's an abundance there. How many would like to have that? <laughs> yeah, we, we like to have oh to have an abundance of this there we can draw them because that you know you get into a problem you get into a thing coming up there's money to help you out oh it's so much easier isn't it but because we don't have that we get a little bit more cautious on some things well he put before Adam and Eve he put before them life and death this tree is life this tree is death when they ate of the tree of death did they die? Did God say they would? In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did they die? Yes, they did. See, just because they didn't die physically didn't mean they didn't die. Just because they have one thing in mind doesn't mean that that's not what God had in mind. If God said, you shall surely die, guess what? I just died. I don't know, I don't know how. I don't see it, but I died. <laughs> I just died. Adam and Eve, they died. They died spiritually. It took a while for the body to catch up with it. But God knew it all the time because He said if they eat the tree of, the tree of life, their bodies will live forever and we can never redeem their spirit. They have to be able to die now. They were never intended to die. But now they'll have to be able to die. If we, can, if we do not have the death, then we cannot have the rebirth. So now they have to die. You've got to take them out of the way, away from that tree. Because now the devil, all he's got to do is come, get them to come over there and eat the tree. In Matthew 12, verse 34, brought of vipers, how can you, being evil, 
speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There is an abundance that can be placed on the inside of us. There's an abundance in an area. In our savings account, we can have an abundance of money. In our cars, we can have an abundance of gasoline. How many of y'all know you can have an abundance or you can have a lack? And you have a little dial in there that tells you where you're at. You either have abundance or lack or somewhere in between. Your savings account, you can have abundance or lack. Your checking account, abundance or lack. Your credit card, abundance or lack. All kinds of stuff. We can have abundance and lack and all sorts of stuff. And in the in, in this area, there is places we can put abundance in and there's places where lack can build up in. But the fact that we don't see the results right away tends to make us think that there's not a whole lot there. The fact that Adam didn't die on the spot made him think, you know what? God may not have been telling me the truth. When Eve didn't die right away, I may not have been totally right. But there is a choice of life and there is a choice of death. The life choice is not always obvious. It's not always the obvious choice. There are sometimes a more obvious choice presents itself and we tend to want to go with that. The life choice is not always fun. And the life choice is not always popular. But it is God's choice. And it is the way that we ought to go. Now I may feel I have a freedom to do differently. I may feel I have the right for something more. I may feel I have the right for something better. And sometimes that will come into play with us. Sometimes, you know, especially when somebody has done something to us. As soon as somebody does something to us, I'll tell you what, all kinds of stuff gets activated, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's the same way in the pool. When the lifeguard's watching and the, the little boy comes up to the little girl and, you know, pulls her pigtails or does something, he knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a problem here with these two over here. And, and it's going to escalate. And, we're, and, you know, things are going to get to a certain to a certain spot. He can see that one coming. And once, you know, that little girl got her pigtails pulled, she may feel that gives her the right to do something in retaliation. Isn't that the way it is? And we feel it. Well, I got... Well, you, did you see what they did to me? Look what, look what they just did. You know, you watch football on Sunday or hockey or basketball or even baseball anymore. And you have a, a confrontation out in the field. It's always, you know, well, he did. Yeah, but he did. Yeah, but he did. And we're always pointing at the other guy because they did something. They looked at me funny. They said something. I know what they were thinking. Did you hear what they said? That wasn't right. And there's always something that was done and I need to, to act in, in a retaliation way. Is that a life choice? It's not a life choice, is it? I mean, how many times did people antagonize Jesus? He, the disciples never had to hold him back and him say, but you didn't see what... <laughs> but did you hear? But look what... <laughs> it didn't happen, did it? Jesus didn't have to be held back. They came after him and he handled it without getting mad, without throwing punches, without throwing insults. He did it, didn't he? 
Now, a lot of times Jesus is handling this and he didn't do the thing that was obvious. I mean, sometimes he got asked questions and if you read that in the Gospels the first time, you're thinking, what in the world could he answer? And then he comes out with an answer. It's like, wow. And you can just feel the life coming off of that. It wasn't obvious. It may have had some fun when you saw what it did to the Pharisees. <laughs> and then we all have a little bit of fun with that. It's, oh, man, you got them. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You got them. <laughs> But the life choice is not always obvious. Folks, it's not always fun. And surely it's not always popular. A lot of times when a lifeguard is put into a situation where they have to jump in the water and save somebody, they do some things that make us scratch our heads. I've heard some of the lifeguards and some of the training that they, were, they do. You know, when you have a person panicking out there in the water, uh, one of, some of the things that they'll do, you think, that's not good. That, that, that's not going to help. Why would you do that to a person who's drowning? Why would you do that to a person? Well, you know, the most important thing, out of the two people, lifeguard jumps in the water, the other person is drowning. Of those two people, who is the most important? And don't say, well, they both are. No, they aren't. There's one important person there. The lifeguard is the most important person because without him, they're both dead. If he's not in good shape, it's all over for both of them. So the main thing, he's got to be in good shape. If you go on an airplane ride and you know they'll, they'll go through all the different stuff and they tell the moms and the dads who have little kids if the, if the uh, air thing pops down, of course, you know you're in trouble then if the air thing pops down. You know, They just don't come down for any good reason. But if that pops down, they say, well, put it on your child first, right? Yeah. Know what they say to do? Because who is the most important? You are. You are because you are the caretaker of that one. Therefore, you must take care of yourself first so that you are able to take care of them. Ah. Oh, if we only got that down. Lifeguard is the most important person out there in the water. And so the lifeguard is going to do things to, first of all, promote the health of the lifeguard. Right? <laughs> the lifeguard cannot do things that will endanger the life of the lifeguard because he's the most important person. And if the lifeguard dies then the other person is going down too. They're not, no one's going to be of any help there. Lifeguard is the most important person. So some of the choices that they'll make may not be obvious. Why would you do that? Why would you hit that person? <laughs> Why would you dunk them under the water like that? And sometimes you have to do that in order to get the supremacy in the, in the thing and, and be able to get hold of that person because they're panicking. And you've got to get them to stop panicking so that you can get them into the water. Get them out of the water and get help. Get them some help. So the thing is not always obvious, but it will preserve. It will help. You are important. It is important that you take care of yourself, that you have life on the inside of you. As we said before, in the presence of God, I can become very sin conscious. If I am sin conscious, how good am I? How much use am I? I'm not a whole lot of use, am I? I am conscious of my sin. I am conscious of my faults. And so what does God do? Will you take care of that thing? I'm here to do some business and this is not it. Now, take care of that. You're bringing this stuff up. I'm, I'm thinking sometimes, you know, hot coal. How many want to get a... You want to get fixed with a hot coal coming down upon your lips. How many... This sounds good. 
I mean, this sounds scary, really. If you're there, you know what hot coals feel like, and your lips are pretty sensitive. Here comes a hot coal from an angel. He's carrying this thing. He's an angel. I'm not. He's bringing a hot coal. He's putting it on my lips. This isn't good. Burn it all off. Then God says, you got any other problems you want to take care of? No. <laughs> nope, think that was it. That was the only one I could come up with. I'm good. <laughs> Alright, good. We can move on now, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I'm not conscious of any more sin. We're good. We are good. It's all fixed now. Mm. You know, it's like those lifeguards, you know, they have the movies and you know, they got the, the, the real nice looking lifeguard, male or female, whichever you, you know, want to do, but real nice looking lifeguard pulls the one out of the water and the, then the victim wants to fake that they're not breathing because they want mouth to mouth. And then they call over somebody else. Come on over and, and all of a sudden, oh, oh, I can breathe. <laughs> I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no more problem here. Nope, nope, nope. We're in good shape. We're in good shape. All right, so he's taken care of now. There's no more problem. We've got to take care of ourselves. We can make sure that we're ready. And God wants us to take, take, take care of it. Being sin conscious is not helping us out. You take care of the sin and deal with it. But the Word of God tells us that our heart is the one that brings condemnation. If our heart does not condemn us, we have what before God? How can you have peace with God if there are things that God would bring up that your heart won't? How can you have peace with God with that? If our heart does not condemn us, we have peace with God. So we get this idea that God's up there tonight. You've got to be perfect. You're not perfect yet. Get perfect. Come on. I want you perfect. Get going. God wants you useful. He wants you useful. And we're sometimes so caught up with sin consciousness. Oh, I'm so inadequate. Oh, I'm no good. Oh, I'm this way. And God says, man, will you get out of that? I need to use you. And I can't because all you keep talking about is this. If we are sin conscious, folks, the only thing we can bring people into is, our, is the same kind of sin consciousness we're in. Sin conscious people will bring unsaved people into legalism. And that is not right. That's not what God wants. God said, get out of that. It is not a big deal to me that you're not perfect. It is a big deal that you keep focusing on it. Just think of the hot cold treatment. You want me to deal with it, I'll deal with it. Bring the, bring the coals on over here. Got anything else you want us to burn off? How have your feet been doing? Going any place you shouldn't be going? Gabriel, come on, bring over some more coals. We need a whole lot of them. We'd be up there in heaven saying, I thought that was the other place. I didn't know that was going on up there. I thought the other place had all that stuff going on. <laughs> did, did I go the wrong direction? <laughs> mm. Now you want fire, God will have some up there if you want it. But I think we're going to get on with Isaiah. Nope, nope, we're good now. That was it. Only problem I could think of now, we're good. What do you want to do now? Alright, let's move on. Well, see, if you're a lifeguard, the biggest, biggest thing you've got to do is make sure you take care of the lifeguard. Lifeguard's got to be taken care of. Make sure you get in the water, you're in good shape. you got a floaty, you hang on to that floaty. You take control of that floaty. I like watching some of the things lifeguards can do because there's a whole lot of things they can do with that floaty. They can knock you unconscious with that thing. 
They can, they can render you useless with that floaty. But that floaty is always in their hand. They're hanging on to that floaty. Maybe they'll give it up to you and to keep a distance. You hang on to that. I'm going to go out here where you can't touch me. You know, I'm going to drag you in that way. And they might do that. But they've always got that floaty within. They can do all sorts of stuff with it. They're trained in that thing. That thing's a certain shape because it works the way that it's shaped. <laughs> but see, we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to make sure that we're a good lifeguard. We've got to make sure that we're in good shape. And so I've got to choose the things that choose life. I've got to stay away from the things that, that are death. And then I've got to help other people. In John chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning He came again into the temple and all the people came to Him. And He sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to Him a woman caught in adultery. And when they, were, when, when they had set her in the midst, they said to Him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Now we've covered this before. You all know that if she's caught in the act, they left half of the, the culprits behind. Because you cannot be caught in the act of adultery alone. If you're caught in the act of adultery, they probably didn't give her time to get dressed. So here it is. Jesus is in a meeting. He's in it. He's teaching. What did it say in here? Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again under the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. He's got, he's got church service going on. He's in church service. And they come and found somebody caught in the very act of adultery. And bring her in that condition or dragging her and throw her down the mid. That would disturb the meeting, wouldn't you think? <laughs> I don't know, I'm kind of guessing here, but I'm thinking that probably would take the meeting in a different direction than Jesus intended. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and punched one in the nose. No, He didn't do that? No, <laughs> no He didn't do that, did He? <laughs> Called for, call for Peter, James, and John to punch Him in the nose. <laughs> Peter, James, John, deal with Him. Take Him out. Oh, boy. So he, he wrote on the ground with His finger. As though he did not hear. Oh, how many times have you ever done that with your kids? Acting like you didn't hear? You're following Jesus' example. Right? Right there it is. Right there. He's just pretending like they're all talking. They're all saying all kinds of, What about her? What about her? What about what the law said? He, he pretended like he didn't hear. Obviously he did hear. But he's pretending like, I'm not hearing you. Not hearing you. Writing. Just writing right now. Hmm. So when they continued asking Him. How many of you have little kids who continue to ask you the same thing? And you're pretending like you're not hearing. Being like Jesus. Being like Jesus. Just think about that. Being like Jesus. Being like Jesus. Now if you get out there and you start reacting to Him, will you shut up? Will you stop with this? Quit with that nonsense. Are you acting like you're not hearing? That you're not acting like Jesus, are you? <laughs> mm. so when they continued asking him he raised himself up and said to them he who is without sin among you let him throw with the first stone and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground and those who heard it being convicted by their conscience by what? Conscience. Aha. 
not the Holy Spirit. One, one, one out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, apparently the meeting broke up. <laughs> I don't know about you. But you got a meeting, Jesus is teaching, you bring, her, bring a near naked woman in, throw her down in the midst of the thing, breaks the whole meeting up. I don't know what that's... Hmm. Everybody else is gone. I'll <laughs> go home. <laughs> Jesus was left alone with the woman. Now, I don't know about Jesus, but that wouldn't fly this day and age. Jesus is left alone with a woman just caught in adultery, brought in that condition, and he alone, he, he's alone with her. This isn't good. I think he's going after Peter. Peter, why did you... <laughs> now let me tell you, if this happens again, they catch a woman in adultery, they bring her here in the midst of where we're at. Do not leave! You stay here! Because he's there alone. I don't think this is the way it's supposed to be. Women, where are the accus those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now look at this. Is there any reason for her not to be condemned? She's an adulteress. No matter what, whether she was set up or whatever, she is still in the, the practice anyway of adultery. Is there a reason for her to be condemned? Yeah. But notice this. Jesus says, I do not do it. So what does? Her heart. And then he says, now go and sin no more. The reason we go and sin no more, folks, is not because God condemns us. That's not the reason. The reason we go and sin no more is because our heart doesn't condemn us anymore. Now, you can train up your heart, can't you? How many of y'all know that there are folks over there in Germany under Hitler who did some stuff and they had no problem with it? We can't even conceive of people being able to do stuff like that to other humans. No. Cannot even imagine that people would do it to each other. And they did it and had no problem at all. Stalin. Starving entire cities. Committing genocide against more people than Germany ever did. Atrocious the things that they were doing. Are they bothered? Not bothered by it, are they? All the, all the times in history where people did things against other people and they you know, had all kinds of reasons. They didn't like their race. They didn't like their attitude. They didn't like where they came from. They didn't like them being tall, being short. They didn't like them being male. They didn't like them being female. All kinds of reasons. But none of them justified. But inside themselves, didn't they feel good? Now, how is it that some people have a conscience on the inside of them that tells them, I can't do that. And other people can go out there and just slaughter people and not even think anything about it. I mean, if God wants us to be guided by our heart, then how is it that our heart can get this far off? Hmm. Is there a problem with God's system? Maybe God should take this back over. Maybe he's delegated out too much. Maybe he should take this one, you know, God take this one back over. This is, we're not ready for this just yet. You need to, you need to get back in the condemnation game and quit relying on us. But he's not going to do it. This is the way that he set it up. 
But the Word of God tells us that, we, that some people have seared their conscience. Well, they've done that. What is their end? Oh, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And don't think that all hell is the same, folks. There are different levels. There's one place for the media. <laughs> they get their own section. Sure there is. Sure there is. There's going to be. There is a place in, in hell all set, separated for people who go out to openly deceive others. There is a place in hell special for those who are not just content to be evil but wanted to deceive others and bringing them in. Oh yeah, there's a special spot for that. All hell, just because you're in hell don't mean you're in the worst of the places. There are apparently other, there are bad places in there that are worse. But thank God we won't find out what they are. <clears throat> We're not going anywhere near there. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now apparently, her, how's her conscience doing? Uh, apparently, not so well because they let her get involved in adultery and it didn't bother her. Didn't bother her, did it? So she's not doing so good with this. But Jesus still comes up to her and says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, how about the guys who brought her in? Did He condemn them? How did they come into condemnation? Okay. But what ticked their heart into moving. Whatever he wrote in the sand, wasn't it? <laughs> whatever he was writing, whatever he was writing, thief, liar, I don't know what he was writing, but he's writing something down in there. And he, he, got, he got something in there. They got them go. Oh, that's me. How, how did he know? How, how did he know that? One by one, they start going. But Jesus didn't say anything about it, did He? He just wrote stuff. They did all the condemning themselves. They saw all that and they, they jumped into all kinds of conclusions about it. I told you this story about my dad before. My dad, he, he did great with this. He always, if you ever look at him in here, he's not in church tonight, but sometimes, you know, usually is. He, he'll always have three by five cards in his pocket. Always have three by five. Always has, since the day I was little, always has that three by five cards. He has a hundred and, a thousand and one uses four three by five cards, by the way, if you ever looking for, for some of those things. And so one, one time he told me, though, know, some guy did something that they shouldn't have done on the road and uh, pull, pulled in front of him and some, whatever it was. But anyway, the guy was in front and he was behind and they came up to a traffic light and the light was stopped. And so he got out of the car and walks up behind the vehicle that was in, had the problem, pulls out the 3 by 5 card and just writes something and puts the 3 by 5 card back in his pocket and gets back in the car. <laughs> Now, what's the guy thinking? What did he write down? Man, did he write down my license plate? Oh, is he going to call me in? I don't know what he's going to do. And you see their own imagination? See, your people's imagination will do all sorts of stuff. They'll condemn themselves more with that than anything else. <laughs> one time, my, my, one of my sisters had a date came on over. And so my dad had one 3 by 5 card, you know, <laughs> with some questions. And he would ask them the question. Uh-huh. And he'd write something. And he asked him another question. Uh-huh. 
He writes something. He never told him what he wrote. Probably didn't write anything at all. He just wanted to look like he was writing something. Because then his mind is going, What did he do? Did I answer wrong? I don't know if I answered wrong or he didn't tell me. And so you, your own imagination gets going and condemnation begins to come on and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. I'll tell you what, that's a powerful little thing that goes on there and you can use it to your advantage or, or whatever. But we've got to get this heart in line. We can sear it to the point that even the slaughter of other people doesn't bother us. That we can get, like some of Hitler's men, line all those folks up, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to kill them. And here, here's the gun, I want you just to bone them all down. Okay, no problem. All right, over here, come on over here. And just like it was in the other day, you just line them up and just gun them down. Little kids. Moms of little kids. How do you do? I mean, we're thinking about it. How do you do it? How do you do it? I hated for the longest time that my name was a German name. Despised it. I couldn't study German history because I hated all that heritage. I hated all that stuff that was going on. I'm only a quarter German. That's it. My grandfather on my dad's side was German. I think that was about it. You know, the name carried 100% German name. But I think in reality, I'm only about a quarter German. Got a whole lot of other stuff all mixed in there. So I don't even know what it all was. It's just a lot of stuff all mixed in together, and that's what comes out. But I was embarrassed. Now it took me a while to get to the point that you know what? I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by that anymore because that wasn't me, and I have nothing to do with that, and I condemn that, and I don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. But for a while, I carried around that, a long time. Guilt. Condemnation. Why? Did it do me any good? Did it make that any better? No. Didn't help out at all. But it stopped me from being a good lifeguard, didn't it? If I carry around guilt and condemnation, I can't help other people in guilt and condemnation. i got to get free of it myself before I can help anybody else out. you got to make sure that you do that. You know, lifeguards, when they're up there in the booth, none of them wear street clothes. You check it out next time you go to the pool. There's not a single lifeguard in street clothes. Where are they wearing they're wearing something to go in the water. There's no shoes. You know, they have a swimsuit on. Maybe they put a shirt over top of the swimsuit keep them protection from the sun. But that's it. They're ready to jump in the water. No, no guilt and condemnation, folks, on us. No death should we partake of if we are going to give life to the people we come in contact with. We've got to get rid of this stuff out of our own life. We've got to take care of us. We've got to partake of life so we can give life to other people. Oh, it's so important. Well, choosing forgiveness promotes life. Promotes the life of God and others too. This is Jesus chose forgiveness. This is what Jesus chose to walk in. You know what? Let's just forgive them. And we're, we're out there saying, No! you got to condemn them. you got to make them feel bad for what they did so they never do it again. Because that works real good, doesn't it? I don't know. I think... I'm not going to tell Jesus how to do stuff. I'm thinking Jesus ought to be telling me how to do stuff. And Jesus chose the way. You know what? Forgive them. There's nothing in this passage that talks about how many times this woman had committed adultery before. We don't know if she committed it 50 times before or if this is her first time. Apparently, it's not important. And it's not important for you to know about anybody else either. Jesus didn't one time go out there and say, well, wait a minute, she's caught in adultery. But has she ever done this before? 
Well, two or three times. Oh, well, two or three times. Okay. It's a different story. He doesn't do that, does it? If it mattered, wouldn't Jesus ask? He didn't ask. He didn't even ask her. How many times have you done this? He just said, go out there and sin no more. In other words, you knew this was sin. Your heart condemned you. So don't do it. Stay out of it. If we do the things that our heart condemns us for, we're embarking in death. And the Word of God tells us that anything we don't do in faith is sin. If I don't know that I can do it, it's sin to me. Because I don't know. Choose life. Choose death. He chose forgiveness here. It promotes the life of God and others. Grudges, bitterness, anger, what do they promote? Death. Death. <laughs> Come on, how many times have we, have we held grudges to people? I got my hand up. We've had grudges. I mean, in the past, we're free of it now, right? <laughs> but haven't we had grudges? Haven't we had bitterness with people? Haven't we had anger with people? And generally, it's all been wrong. But we had it. What did we, in, what did we bring in? Death to us. And the more death I bring in, the more I sear my heart. The more I can't tell what's life and what's death because the one that's supposed to help me is the one that's on the inside the heart. My conscience. That's what's supposed to help me. And if I keep partaking of death, I sear it. I make it so that it's not so sensitive anymore. I can't tell that that's life or death. But otherwise, it should tell me, this woman, go and sin no more. I don't got to tell you what all the sin is. Just don't do it. In other words, if you're doing something and your heart says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it! Don't do it. <laughs> because it is bringing death, which sears it more and renders it less useful. And that's not good. Let me give you an example of this. How many have ever used in your home, you know, no matter how handy you are, you have probably come into a place where you could use this. How many have ever used a stud finder? A stud finder. <laughs> Not talking about the wives. <clears throat> a stud finder. What a stud finder is, it's a little box. Now, this, they've come a long way because it used to be a real little tiny thing that had a little piece of magnet inside and you ran it across... The, the wall and the magnet would tip. But the only thing it would tip on was the nail in the drywall that connected to the stud. So all we really found was the nail. And it assumed if the nail's there, it's in something. <laughs> but then they made them better and then they got these ones that actually shoot a little signal into the wall and depending upon what comes back, they'll tell you. And so you put them up to the wall and it's, it just stays a solid light, green light, and then you move it on over, and then all of a sudden it starts moving up, moving up until, you know, red, 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 gets all the way to the top one, and then it goes, ding! Sounds off a little alarm. You're at the stud, and you move on over, and then the light goes, do, 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 and it's back down to green. And between that area where it was dinging, where it stayed solid dinging, that's the stud. And so as soon as it starts making the noise, put it right in. As soon as it stops making noise, put another line, there's your stud. You don't got to find nail anymore. Now you can actually find the real wood. Well, they've improved upon those. You know that they would. <laughs> and if you want to get the even better one, Keith, you know what this one is, right? Come on, you're a gadget guy. Oh, I tell you, I don't have one of these things yet. I haven't really needed to have one. But they now have ones you put up there on there and it actually shows you an entire video of what's going on behind the wall. 
You can find the wires. You can find the pipes. And it will show you the difference between all of them. There's wires here, two wires here, one pipe here going this way, and then there's the stud. And you can see it all. Oh, man, that's how you buy this. That's not going to miss, miss that at all. Of course, it'll run you a little bit more money. And then the regular stud finder. Regular stud finder, 10 bucks. You know, 7.99 on sale. Black Friday, 599. <laughs> I don't know. You can get them in there pretty cheap. And that's going to do you for most of the, most of the stuff. But then they have this other one if you need to find out all the electrical stuff and all the other things you may not want to touch when you, when you get on in there. But oh, it's giving you all kinds of information. It's giving you a good read. But the sensitivity is that thing. That's what's important. And most of them come with, equipped with this. You, you, you push this, the button in and you're at one level of sensitivity. But sometimes you hit a spot where you need a little bit more sensitivity. You're not quite getting through what you have to get through. You're not, it's plaster on the wall or whatever it might be, but it's something tougher. And so if you hit it twice, I don't know if all of you know it, most of these will do it. If you hit it twice, it goes into the super sensitive mode. Putting out extra signal. And it'll get through a little bit more stuff. We want our, our conscious to get into super sensitive mode that it can pick up in a moment. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be doing that. But as we get into the place where we figure out it is my conscience that does this, not God. Then when I get like Isaiah and I'm up before the throne room, I'm not saying, you know what, my lips are a problem. Can you take care of that? Because I took care of it down here. Took care of it already. And I get out in the presence of God, we can, do, we can deal with the business. We can get on with the business we need to do with. I'm not saying to God, you know what? We've got to bring a couple of coals over here. Because I'm just not ready. No, we'll come in there and we're ready. Grudges, bitterness, anger. They promote death. They desensitize us. Love, forgiveness, this gives life, folks. And you know, there's always situations and we're always put in the same place that Adam and Eve were put. We can choose the tree of life. We can choose tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can choose one that brings life. We can choose one that brings death. I can have grudges, bitterness, anger, and I can say, but I have a right to. I don't deserve this kind of treatment. Right? Can't we say all that stuff? But is it right? Mm-mm. No, my heart will come up and say, you know what? You need to love that one because God loves you. But I don't want to. I don't want to love this. No, I want to be mad. They did me wrong. They hurt me. Oh, they said some stuff. Oh, they... Ooh. I'm giving over to the death side. If I take the death side, does something on the inside of me die? Because God said it does. But I didn't feel anything. <laughs> okay, Adam. <laughs> Grudges, bitterness, anger, they promote death. Love. And forgiveness, they give life. Oh, take on life. Now, we're almost to the point where I want to show you why we're really into this. We haven't got into it yet. The desire to stop sin. The Pharisees would kill the sinner. Right? This is kill it. Sinner, kill it. We don't have it anymore. No more problem. Jesus would feed the sinner life. He would feed the sinner life. Pharisees, kill it. Jesus, feed it life. Give it life. It'll sin no more. 
Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Oh, what a powerful verse, right? I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. We don't have to be told all... Life and blessing go together, right? Death and cursing go together. We can tell, you know, Sesame Street. <laughs> Which of these things doesn't belong here? <laughs> right? <laughs> life, death, blessing. Which one doesn't belong? Death, death got of here. Death. No death in this thing. Life and blessing. Yes, death and cursing. Those what belongs together. Now, here's the main thing I want you to see out of all this. How many times have we run into a person who is chronically sick on their deathbed? Bad situation. They got hate going on on the inside of them. They got anger issues. All these kind of things can be going on. We run into them and we say, oh, all you need is Jesus. You know what? That is not always true. Because sometimes they have brought so much death on the inside of them that that's what they're experiencing. is the death that they have walked in. All through their life, for years and years and years, their conscience was saying, don't do that. Choose life. Get out of that. Choose life. Stay out of that. Choose life. And all the time they kept saying, no, 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 I'm going to get angry. No, 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 I'm going to hold a grudge. No, 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 I'm going to do this. I'm going to worry. I'm going to fret. I'm going to have anxiety. Because I want to. And I can't. So I'm going to do it. And the conscience comes up and says, don't worry, don't, don't be fretting. Don't be anxious. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay out of it. Somebody does this wrong. What do we do? I'm going to be angry. I have a right to be angry. I deserve far better than what they gave me. They shouldn't do that to me. <laughs> How many times have we rehearsed this? Oh, my. last week, right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. We've all felt that with people. There are always people around us that can push our buttons. They're just all around us. And we are, we are faced with a thing. Choose. Choose death. Because who do we got to take care of first and foremost? The lifeguard. Because the lifeguards are not in good shape. We can't help anybody out. Lifeguard's done. We run into these situations. We find the people on the deathbed. We find the people with anger. We find the people with all these things going on and there's so much of this on the inside of them. And it's nothing more than the outgrowth of partaking of death and death and death and death. And we come on in and we expect, oh, we'll just uh, lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. You'll be healed. <sighs> Do we just ignore the rest of the Word of God? Let's read that Scripture again. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. And I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may... So if you don't, what will happen? Aha. Aha. You want to hang on to those petty little grudges? You want to hang on to the right to be angry? Bitter? You want to hang on to that stuff? You want to get mad at all the people doing stupid things in your path? Hurting your feelings? Coming against you? Choose life? Choose death, folks. You're the lifeguard. You've got to take care of the lifeguard first and foremost. 
After that, you've got to get out there and help other people. And if you are in condemnation yourself, how can you help out others? One of the first things the lifeguard has to do when he goes for duty is get rid of the street clothes and put on the swimming trunks. One of the first things we've got to do, folks, get rid of the guilt and condemnation and stop putting that on everyone else. We are the lifeguard. We're called to bring life. But in order to do that, we've got to have life ourselves. We run into people all the time. And this is what they're facing. Folks, you have the opportunity to be anxious or not to be. You have the opportunity all the time to get angry or not to get angry. Hold a grudge or not hold a grudge. And God's not messing with it. He's already told you His part. Don't do it. I got nothing for you. Don't do it. Yeah, but God, give me more. No, don't do it. If you do it, it's not good. Don't. <laughs> he's, he's not complicated with it. Don't do it. Don't be anxious. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Isn't that what he said? But then we will. No, I'll tell you what, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't fret and have anxiety. Don't do it. I'll tell you what, you know, in the bunk bed business that we have going on, and we rely on that for, for a certain amount of things, and, but it's all sales. It, they either sell or they don't. People either put an order in or they don't. And it's, uh, we don't ride out too far ahead because people aren't going to wait six months for a bunk bed. So, you know, we, we're usually riding two weeks of orders, most four weeks. That's the most I usually have out future is four weeks for their orders. And there's times, I mean, last month, even got it down, where, you know, we had, I had two beds to be working on, and that was about it. That was it. I had two beds to be working on, and, and that was it. And, uh, you know, the, the thought comes in, you ought to get anxious about this, because you don't know what else you got going on. No, I'm not going to get anxious. I'm not going to get it. No, then I didn't. No, I'll just, I'll make these two. And we'll pull our all into it. And we'll go. And it'll be fine. And I put my all into it. And I'll tell you what. I mean, we got, I think we got to a point where everything was done. And uh, I had a couple for down the road. But there weren't anything. And I, well, I'll just work on those. They're down the road, but I'll just have them ready. And, you know, somebody else will probably put an order in. And we'll just have to do that. So we started doing that. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, though. Just, you have your choice. You can be anxious. You can get anxious on it. Oh, I'll tell you what, you can get that way. And, uh, you know, last week we were, we were getting to a place, you know, we had a, this, this order. I'm going, going for a, a longer trip. It's a two-hour trip. I don't usually go that far unless I'm going down the shore. I go down the shore for two hours because I like the shore. <laughs> but this is two hours into the mountains. I'm not real keen about going into the mountains. I just, no, 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 I just, it's okay. But I, or when I was always delivering there, I couldn't wait to leave. I just couldn't wait to leave. I just wanted to, to go. Get on the shore, it's a different thing. So we get on up there and we're, and, and I, we're getting all ready because, you know, we, we didn't have anything coming in for a little bit. So um, this is a big order. This was a really large order. And it's coming in on Saturday. And so, all right, so I, had, I had a couple of bills. I said, well, you know, if I get this on Saturday, I can make it by one day, get that bill paid. One day I can get that bill paid because it's, it's close. And um, 
so uh, I had it all ready. Got it. I stayed up, you know, the night before, two nights before that. Worked on Thanksgiving, worked on Black Friday, got it all ready. And and Saturday, uh, I, Connie was having trouble. I had to bring her on down here to the ladies' breakfast. Got on back home, left my phone, got back there, and the person had give me a call. I called him up, says, "Yeah, what's up? Can we wait a week?" You see, because I had another order I could have done. I bumped them ahead because they said, we're ready for it now. We want it on Saturday. And I had an, and it was the exact same bed. Exact same bed. All I had to do was stain it a different color. That was it. And we would have been fine. And I said, <clears throat> okay, we'll just wait till next week. We'll just, we'll just do that. And so, um, not going to get angry? Not going to get bitter? No. You don't need to do that. And so we did that. And all right, well, we'll just bring it up. If that's going to work out better for you, then we just need to do that. We'll, go, we'll do that next, next week. And so um, we put on effort for that one. And then Sunday night, a person emailed me in. He said, we have an order. We want you to do two beds. And I want to see if you'll take it up to here. And I looked up the town. And the town is the, is the exact town that these other two beds are going to. It's not near it. It is in the same town. It's in the same town. So I said, well, I'll give him a call in the morning. Because it was about 9, 9.30 at night time. I thought, I'm not going to, I'm tired. I've been up since early. I'll give him a call in the morning. So I gave him a call in the morning. And he says, you know, it's, I don't usually go, I don't ever go up to the Poconos. I said, everybody who buys them from the Poconos, they come and get them from me. But I have this order going up. I bet if I can tie it on in that. So my wife, she helped me out. Monday and Tuesday, we sanded like crazy. And uh, before I came over here today, we stained them all up. And they were all ready to go. And so we have that. So now we're going up with four beds and two sets of drawers. And then coming back, and then we'll have to get a, another bed ready for someone else who um, is going to pick it up that night. So we will have a total of five beds going out on Saturday, <laughs> which is all, all great. And then, um, you know, just, uh, just, this, just today, I think it was uh, 4.30, someone had sent me over, and they apparently spent some time on the website. And they said, we want to, uh, we're looking at ordering this bed and this bed. And uh, so I said, all right, we'll, f- we'll find out about that. Now, I've, I've talked with a few. You know, I got this nice little electronic device and it works great in here. Oh, it helps. You don't know how much it helps me out in here. But it helps me out more in the shop. Because when people call in and they order something uh, or they, they, they put a request in, I am able to generally get back to them within five or ten minutes because of this. I couldn't do it before. I had to go inside, turn on the computer, and I know that they make a request, but I don't know what it is. Now, I don't even have to take my headphones off. I can go over there, check it all out, and if it's something I want to call on, I'll call them right up. If it's something I really don't care about, I'll wait an hour. But sometimes I get that wow factor in. And I did that tonight. The guy called. He sent the order in at 4.30. I wrote it all up. I had it in his email box in 15 minutes and then called him up five minutes later. And I called him. I said, hey, this is Steve with the bunk beds. You uh, sent me a message? Yeah. Yeah, I just sent that. Well, the, the order is already in your email box. If you open it up, you'll check and see if it's there. And I sent you a couple of pictures. It is there. Wow. I said, all you got to do is look it over. If it looks good, we'll put it on. Put it on the schedule. And he says, well, I'd like to do that now. <laughs> and in 30 minutes, we had a, a two very, very large beds that just got ordered. Just like that. I mean, that's how quick it can change. But just don't get anxious. And just don't fret. Just don't have any fear or anxiety. Don't bring in grudges. Don't bring in hate. Don't bring in anger. Because it will hold you back. No matter what, trust your Father. 
No matter what, trust your Father. He's got your best interest. If He says, don't hold a grudge, forgive, do it. Because it brings life to you. And who do you got to take care of first? The lifeguard. Take care of yourself first and then you'll be in good shape to take care of those people that are around you. But if you don't take care of yourself, you can't help out the other people. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the help that You give us. You have called us to be lifeguards in this world. You have called us to help people. Pull them out of the conditions and the places that they're in. Father, I thank You that You help us take care of ourselves. To not let our conscience be seared, but to listen to what our heart says. But to know that our heart is different from our God. And our God does not work on condemnation. Our God feeds life. And He wants us to partake of life. That we can become better lifeguards. So Father, I thank You for the help that You give us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.